I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Meredith Rosenthal, a professor of health economics and policy at the Harvard School of Public Health. Professor Rosenthal has co-authored a perspective article on the new federal rules for disclosure of industry payments to physicians. Professor Rosenthal, the first data are now available from Massachusetts, which passed a law on disclosure of industry payments in 2009. And Kesselheim and colleagues analyzed those data in another perspective article. What did you take away from their analysis? Was there anything that surprised you or that seemed to demand further exploration? Well, I think uh, one of the things that their data show is just how widespread these payments and other transfers of value are, and uh, and they give some insights into the particular specialties that are most effective that I think should, um, should cause us to think a little bit about uh, what might be happening in specific clinical areas, and, and perhaps this is all appropriate, but I do think their analysis of the data is thought-provoking. And what kinds of mechanisms are in place to help Massachusetts patients or other interested parties obtain, understand, and use those data? That's a really good question. I would say this article, in fact, is the first public use of these data that I know of, despite the fact that the data have been available and continue to be available to anyone with an Internet connection. The Department of Public Health posts the data in essentially a a flat file that can be analyzed and searched in any way. And I think probably most, the vast majority of Massachusetts physicians and consumers are unaware of the existence of these data. Overall, I think it's, it's hard to know what to do with them if you're not an expert. And even if you are, uh, there are a lot more questions than answers. On the federal level, the final rules have been released for reporting under the Physician Payments Sunshine Act. Can you tell us how that differs from the Massachusetts system? The federal rules have much in common with the Massachusetts system, but they differ somewhat in terms of the scope and some of the specific criteria for reporting. For example, the thresholds in terms of the value of any kind of payment or uh, or other kind of transfer is different between federal rules and Massachusetts rules. And Massachusetts rules cover payments to non-physicians as well as physicians, whereas the federal focus is really on physicians. The, the last thing is that we don't know exactly how the federal data will be shared with the public, how aggregated or disaggregated the reporting will, will be. The rules that were recently issued give us a great deal of information about what manufacturers will be required to report and how, but not how those data will ultimately be made public. In fact, however they are eventually made public, you note in your article that patients don't usually tend to seek out such information about their providers, even about quality of care, which has been available for some time. That's right. This has been somewhat of a puzzle to policymakers and researchers interested in using consumer engagement to improve the quality of care that despite more than 20 years of efforts to publicly report information on the quality of hospitals and physicians, little use has been made of those data by individual patients making choices about, for example, where to go for surgery. And so uh, the question remains whether healthcare is just so different from other kinds of purchases and decisions that consumers will never be entirely comfortable acting as shoppers as they might buying a new car, 
or whether we haven't figured out exactly how to share information with consumers in ways that are most meaningful to them. In terms of the effects of disclosure on physicians' own behavior, you discuss possible perverse effects, such as that physicians may make more rather than less biased recommendations. What studies show that? In some experimental studies, it has been shown that the act of disclosure uh, has the effect of making the discloser behave potentially in two ways that might um, move against the interest of disclosure. The first is that after a disclosure has been made, uh, a physician might feel obligated, for example, to be more convincing about a recommendation to offset the effect of disclosure. The second concern is that once a disclosure has been made, the physician in this case might feel less responsibility uh, to make sure that they're not being biased. Uh, And so those two effects have been theorized by some behavioral psychologists. And again, in some experimental work, this, this kind of effect has been shown to be true. You argue that to make a real difference in behavior and therefore to lower healthcare costs and improve quality, we need some learned intermediary, such as insurers, to actively use the disclosure data, for instance, in network design decisions or tiering of physicians. Have insurers expressed interest in doing that? To date, we haven't seen this kind of behavior, but the federal disclosure is a pretty significant departure from the past, and it would be reasonable to expect insurers, who uh, many of whom are national, uh, to begin looking at these data. And I think first and foremost, trying to understand whether they uh, can learn anything from the disclosures that will be useful. It's not entirely clear that knowing how much money, for example, a physician was paid for consulting services to a pharmaceutical or device manufacturer is a good predictor of behavior. So again, we have theories about how these payments may create a conflict of interest or a bias, but health plans and others will need to study the information and try to decide uh, what kinds of signals they send and then how to incorporate that kind of information into their selection of who will be in their network, how they will pay physicians. If you were designing a system for those health organizations, those insurers, would you exclude information on research funding or any other kind of funding? Well, that's a really good question, and one of the interesting things about the federal reporting rules is that they have a number of different categories in which reporting is specifically to be made, and so they do allow one to differentiate, for example, payments related to research. Uh, It's a little unclear what may fall into the category of research and the extent to which one can make bright-line distinctions between research and marketing. Uh, As you may know, this has been uh, some area of controversy around pharmaceutical marketing in the past. For example, that some small studies may really not advance knowledge, uh, but they do have a, a marketing effect in terms of advancing the use of a product. So it will be important to study this as well, but it's not altogether obvious whether it's appropriate to treat these payments differently. Finally, a, a broad question. How does the publication of data on potential conflicts of interest fit into the bigger picture of transparency in healthcare? Well, I, I do think that we're moving into an era of uh, clearly tighter resource constraints in healthcare uh, due to the level of spending and the current economic situation in the country. 
And that means there's going to be greater scrutiny at all levels. So I think that transparency around these conflicts of interest is uh, an appropriate piece of a picture of taking a closer look at the delivery system at all aspects. Again, it's not obvious that these payments are themselves problematic, but we need to understand better how they do affect care patterns and particularly overuse. And as part of moving forward towards an environment in which purchasing of healthcare services by public payers such as Medicare and commercial insurers is more value-based, all of this information is going to be important in moving ahead with these contracts with physicians and hospitals that are really taking a much closer look at uh, what payers are actually paying for. Thank you, Professor Rosenthal. Thank you, Steve.